On Tuesday, February 7th, the Kasumnas Community Services District and the City of Elk Grove held the first of four presentations on how they want to spend money generated by the voter-approved Measure E. That measure will impose a new sales tax effective April 1st, 2023 on most consumer purchases in the City of Elk Grove. The new tax levy will generate about $23 million annually for the City of Elk Grove and the CCSD. I'm Dan Gorty. On this edition of Elk Grove News Podcast, we are providing an audio recording of that presentation. Among the speakers were Elk Grove City Manager Jason Berman, Elk Grove Police Chief Bobby Davis, Kasumnas Fire Department Chief Felipe Rodriguez, and CCSD Parks Administrator Phil Lewis. The presentation was held at Elk Grove's District 56 facility. I think we're going to go ahead and get started. First, uh, welcome. My name is Jason Berman. I'm the city manager here at the city of Elk Grove. My pleasure to be with you this evening, and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules and evenings to talk a little bit about Measure E. And uh, I want to also mention our the city of Elk Grove has a very strong partnership with our, our partners with the CSD and Josh Green was going to be here and help me with the introduction today but he's not feeling well so he's at home and asked me if I could go ahead and handle the introduction um, the purpose of the meeting today is to give you a little bit of me advance the slide here give you a little bit of background measure kind of how we got here what the community um, partnership was like and what that effort looked like and um, some of the key findings that we did and some of the surveys that occurred in uh, 2022, and we did a prior survey as well. Um, some of those priorities that came out of the, the survey work that we did and some of the community dialogue and discussions that we had throughout the course of 22, um, a little bit about the results of Measure E, and then really getting the meat of this, um, which is public safety tonight. So we're also gonna talk a little bit about the Measure E committee, oversight committee that was part of the ballot measure language. and so. The council in March is going to be making appointments to that, and so if you are interested in serving on that, um, we'll have information for you tonight, but we certainly encourage you to go to the city's website and submit an application for that, because there are, there are going to be five appointments to that, that committee. Um, so this is an opportunity for us to present to you some information about ways that we think we can um, improve public safety in our, our community, ways that, that we can put Measure E tax dollars to their best use. Um, we heard throughout the community conversations some of the priorities and police and fire public safety was really at the top of the list in all the surveys that we did. And I'll share some of those results with you and so tonight's an opportunity to share with you how we think we can best, uh, we may be able to best utilize some of those funds but we also want to hear from you. What are your ideas? What are your thoughts? What are your concerns? What do you think of some of the ideas we're going to pre present to you this evening and ultimately um, as we go forward, there will be additional opportunities for community dialogue with our city council. Our city council and our CSD board are not here tonight. That's by design. This is an opportunity for you, members of the public, to interact with staff, to talk and, and really receive that feedback and input from you and have some good discussion and dialogue. We want to have this process be as inclusive um, as we can make it. So look forward to the discussion tonight. So a little bit about the, the history. The city council um, decided to move forward with having some discussions about the future of our community, looking at you know where are we going to be in 10, 15, 20 years, and how do we preserve the quality of life of the city of Elk Grove, and how do we do that? Um, so we did some community polling work back in December of 21, finding out if members of the community were interested and what their priorities were. They were potentially interested in pursuing um, additional sales tax or tax measure to help improve quality of life or maintain um, the services that uh, our, our community values. The poll results were very positive, and so the city council decided to move forward with that effort, With uh, did a lot more extensive community outreach, um, attended community meetings over 29 that occurred throughout the spring of 22. Um, we formed a citizens advisory or community advisory group made up of um, citizens of our community to provide input to the city council in the decision-making process. Um, so a lot of good dialogue, a lot of community mailers and newsletters and things that went out trying to really inform and educate. Uh, ultimately, before the city council made a decision to put Measure E on the ballot, there was a final community poll or a survey, a scientifically valid 
uh, poll that was done in July of 22, and that also showed strong support for the services and priorities that our community had been talking about, and that there was indeed interest in pursuing a sales tax measure. So shortly thereafter, the city council decided to place um, the measure on, on the ballot for November. And I'll, I'll say throughout this whole process, we've had a great partnership with our, our friends at the Kasunas Community Services District, which did a lot of the community work with us, those outreach meetings, and so we really value that because a lot of the, the items that came forward through the survey work were both city items as well as things that were handled by the CSD. So CSD does um, fire, emergency medical, uh, disaster services, as well as, as parks and recreation programs. Um, the city does uh, police and code enforcement, homelessness, and other, other things. And all those things kind of rose up to the top of the list. So we felt it really prudent to have a strong partnership with the CSD and moving that forward. So here's the results. This was the latest survey that we did in July of this last year. It was the things that were most important for our community. And you can see at the top of the list, it was 87 87% of those that responded to the survey said that a rapid 911 fire, police, medical emergency, and disaster response were either extremely or very important. So that was kind of at the top of the list. Um, keeping our public areas clean and safe also scored very highly. Um, the, you'll see throughout here, there's kind of public accountability as a theme is really important. So these kind of meetings are meant to do that. Our measure oversight committee are meant for that kind of accountability. Um, crime, crime reduction, hold very high. Addressing homelessness is an increasing concern in our community, also hold very, very highly. Um, again, requiring funds that are locally controlled. So one of the concerns that we've had, we have and our community members have is is where's our tax dollar go, right? We pay additional money for, for gas tax and other things and how much of it stays in Elk Grove. It was really important that our community said that 100% of the funds are going to stay in our community. They can't be taken from Sacramento, they can't be used for other things outside of here. They have to be used in Elk Grove and that was really important for our voters. Um, maintaining streets, hold very, very highly and included in that, there's some other things in here on traffic, maintaining parks, uh, Pothole repairs and again maintaining streets, youth crime and gang prevention programs. And you see all these pulled well, just you can see a slight reduction in the top of the list as you go through here. But these are the ones that kind of rose to the top. Um, attracting and retaining local businesses, so economic development pulled well. Um, again, requiring audits, um, all funds in Elk Grove, traffic congestion, and then the oversight committee. So these were the things that rose to the top of the list. There were probably 30 other things on here that didn't make the top of the list. And so these are the things we focused on in the mailers and information we sent out to members of the community. And as the council voted in July to place this on the, on the, on the ballot, they had a list of these items that were gonna be the priorities. And the city council made a commitment that they were gonna spend and focus their funding on those those areas, and so that's what was included in the mailers and flyers and things that went out to the community. So this is a list of those um, eight items that uh, kind of rose to the top. So reducing crime, addressing homelessness again, uh, improving response times for emergency responders, enhancing programs that combat youth and crime, again crime, and maintaining streets and parks, clean and safe spaces, and economic development. So directly from the polling and survey results that we did. So as many of you know, Measure E went to the voters in November and passed with 54.3% saying yes. Um, our goal is to have, this is the first of four separate community meetings. Tonight we're focused on public safety. Um, we'll have additional meetings talking about economic development, local jobs and creation of those, the retention of those, how we support local businesses. We're gonna talk about uh, streets and park maintenance and then addressing homelessness. Those are the ones that'll be, that'll be coming up and so if you want information on those, I hope you'll be able to come back for those other ones and, and participate in the dialogue as well. Um, the Measure Oversight Committee and uh, the collection of the tax begins April 1st. Um, the revenues will start to show up towards the end of June and into July is when we'll start to receive the first tax revenues. So this is just a plug for our oversight committee and kind of what we're looking for. This was a commitment that our council made to the voters that we would have an oversight committee that would pay attention and be able to issue kind of annual reports to the community on how the funds were spent. Um, we're looking for five community members and here's some, a list of things that we think would make a good committee member. Um, some of these are not requirements, so the knowledge of you know, finance, taxation, budgeting, accounting and things would be great, not an absolute requirement. 
knowledge of municipal government operations, local business and community management, the things that are required, 18 years of age and older, Elk Grove resident, and a registered voter. So here's some of the things that this oversight committee would focus on. So reviewing the revenues and expenditures of the fund, so we'll dig into how those funds are spent. Review the annual independent financial audit that'll be produced. There will be initial budget or year one expenditure plan, they'll review that, make sure that those projects align with those eight items that I mentioned on a previous slide, to make sure we're, again, we're committing back to the taxpayers that we're spending the money in the manner in which they said that we should spend the funds. They would annually prepare and present an independent report to the city council regarding the revenue and expenditure of the funds, and that would go back out to the community. So on our website and social media and other ways that we can issue that report back to our community. So the committee, though, will not have any decision making authority, it will not make recommendations on spending priorities. That is left at the purview of the city council, but this committee is really important for accountability, so that we can get reports back to the community, and there can be eyes on what we're doing, and we are committed to that transparency and accountability throughout this process. The appointments are made by the mayor with approval of the city council, and the mayor will consider input by the Kasumba CSD board president. Now I'm going to introduce our two chiefs that are here in the back. Come on up, Chief Rodriguez and Chief Davis from our police and fire departments. Again, tonight, the star of the show is our police and fire agencies, and they're going to share with you some thoughts and ideas of how we best can best address those community needs and priorities related to police, fire, and public safety. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. So my name is Bobby Davis. I am the chief of police here in the city of Elk Grove, and this is Felipe Rodriguez. I am your fire chief, and good evening. Thank you for being with us tonight and choosing us instead of the State of the Union address that's happening right now. So we feel very honored that you are here tonight with us, and as always, I'm going to turn it back over to our police chief, but public safety is always number one in all communities that we know of, and it's very important to our community members that we're there, that we're doing it right, and that we are carrying out any emergencies and making sure that those are mitigated and handled as expediently as possible and with integrity. So with that, I'll turn it back over to our police chief. And I think a part of that is us doing it together with our community in a collaborative effort. Can everybody hear me okay? Because I'm not good at saying that. so I communicate better when I'm moving. So, you know, a lot of the slides that you're going to see, we're also going to have breakouts where you can come and talk to us a little bit more about those, but we'll go through them, kind of hitting the things that are on the misery and what the pillars are that we're trying to hit. And, you know, like Felipe said, we're trying to do it together. CSD and fire and the police department have to work together on the majority of the calls that we go to, so getting there is important to us. So roadways and safety, getting to those calls is extremely important, and that has to do with traffic and having the staffing to get to those things. So, you know, our goal is to reduce crime, crime prevention, and to help the kids in our community. So Measure E is going to allow us to create programs that will do exactly that, especially for the youth in our program, in our community. And that really will give us an ability to reach out to the families, to the kids, after school programs, athletic programs, girls and boys clubs, things that uh, we know will help mentor and develop the kids in our community. Uh, we want to improve response times to, and meet the national standards. Uh, that's something that both of us want to maintain uh, for our organizations and for our community. A good example is in dispatch, we have 177,000 calls per year. We try to answer those calls in 20 seconds or less uh, to get officers en route uh, to the homes or to the people in need. Our fire department as well, and maybe yeah, you want to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we do have some slides to cover with you tonight. We have six slides, actually. Um, it'll include um, some of the information from our Parks Administrator who is here in the audience tonight. And by the way, thank you to all staff who are here tonight for spending your evening here to answer any questions we may have. Um, and thank you to you as our community members who are here to learn a little bit more. Response times are number one, always. One of the number one priorities of any community is for us to get there quickly, whether it be police department, fire department, 
And we do understand there's other things that we need to talk about tonight. As I mentioned, our parks administrators here, we'll introduce him uh, shortly, uh, Phil Lewis, who's uh, standing in the back, but uh, he'll cover some of those things that are important for the youth. And we want them busy after school, until the parents come home or into the evening hours. Those are so important because that is our future. That is what makes this community what it is. Uh, who they become and how they contribute back to the safety that we have. And all of those are very important things and together we have to do that. But response times, having that at the lowest number possible for us to get there as quickly as possible when someone calls 911, because as I always say, you can't call 912 and we have to get there as fast as we can. And uh, with that, we're gonna cover those slides, but we will definitely touch base on the response times uh, in, in a couple slides from now. And the other, the other thing that's important is to get there um, and to make sure that we have the resources that are necessary. We need to have uh, the women and men in our community uh, that are wearing the uniform to get there and help. So additional personnel, uh, equipment, facilities to support. Sometimes it's a matter of location and where those facilities are within our community to make sure that we can get there faster. Uh, that's also extremely important to Felipe and I. Um, and then uh, we wanna make sure that we can meet all of the standards, all of the national standards and all the standards for our community, what is expected of us. Uh, that's really important to us uh, that we do meet everything that you expect uh, by, the, by, by the vote itself. And ex, you know, putting measure out there and supporting it and ultimately giving us an opportunity uh, to grow public safety in our community is exactly what we're gonna do. Uh, and let's get into some of the slides on exactly how we can do it. So for us, uh, Measury is gonna allow us to grow our patrol services. The first responders that come to you uh, in a crisis or respond to the, the traffic uh, incident, uh, we're gonna be able to add positions to meet growth uh, and policing needs directly related to the 911 dispatch call. Again, that's the first contact that we get in our communication center. Uh, we have the staff in there, we're gonna be able to get the people to our community and uh, answer the, the questions or the needs that you have. That's important for us. To do this, we're gonna add, we're, we're gonna uh, try to add three dispatchers to our uh, dispatch center. 2006, we had 19 dispatchers. 2023, we have 19 dispatchers. This will give us an opportunity to add three to that. Again, we have 177,000 calls per year. Our call volume has uh, continued to go up, uh, yet we haven't been able to add additional dispatchers. This is gonna help us do that. This will um, ensure those calls get uh, get processed faster, uh, get put into the system faster, and get an officer to you faster. So this is really gonna give us that opportunity. In addition to that, neighborhood policing initiatives. You know, one of the things that throughout the country is, you know, problem oriented policing and homeless outreach teams and teams that are built to specifically address needs within our communities. And not just the community as a whole, but each homeowners association. This will give us an opportunity to provide a cop team, a problem-oriented policing team, and a homeless outreach team on the east and west side of our cities. Right now we have a central location. Our goal uh, through Measure E is to provide a service specific to each side of our city. Um, it's no secret that we're growing and we're continuing to grow, yet our problem-oriented policing hasn't grown with our community. Now we're gonna be able to do that. And if anybody knows, the problem-oriented police officers are so important because they directly address community disputes, neighborhood disputes. Um, that oftentimes have to do with code enforcement in areas that don't require a 911 call, but they do require a commitment and collaboration of a community to work together to resolve a problem. And that's what our problem with police officers do. This is gonna give us that opportunity to increase that service and provide it specific to east and west side of our city. And additionally, you know, it's no secret the city of El Grove is innovative in everything that they do, including technology and law enforcement and fire, but specifically in my case, it's law enforcement. Uh, we have one of the most robust electronic systems or technology-based systems uh, in policing. What this allows for us to do is increase our enhance, enhance our intelligence-led policing. What we use that for is we look at specific crimes in specific areas based on analysis and data. And in that data, we utilize officers and equipment uh, to have people in place to prevent things from happening. Uh, oftentimes, we're in place when things do take place because of the data or the analytics that, are, that help us drive where we put resources. It does a couple of things. It doesn't waste money, uh, number one. I mean, we don't uh, fill an area full of overtime and police officers uh, when we don't need to. This actually lets us put the appropriate level of resources in a specific location to address a 
crime or need in that area. Uh, enhanced intelligence-led policing is something that I like, I enjoy the analytics of it, but also I enjoy the results. And the results are, you can't dispute the results. Uh, Real-time information center. So the Elk Grove Police Department is nationally known, I'll say it again, we are nationally known for our real-time information center. That is something that is unique uh, to us. Uh, you have a city here uh, that takes great pride in our ability to uh, be real-time, or when a call happens, we can address it in real-time. Meaning that when the call comes into the communication center, we have somebody who is monitoring our city electronically and, vid and, and on video, uh, and can actually say if we had a call of an accident, um, say Laguna Springs and, and Bond, um, we can, uh, someone will make that phone call in, and somebody will get on a video and actually say yes or no if those people are there. And no, meaning we don't have to use resources to go there, or yes, we can identify the problem and maybe we can get fire started, we can get additional officers started, we can address an issue with a real-time information center. In addition to that, when we have our storms in our city, uh, in our surrounding areas, that is a great resource for you in the community and for all of our uh, organization, our fire department, our elected officials to be on top of the things that are happening in our community. Uh, Real-time information is extremely important and the way uh, of the future for law enforcement. It absolutely assists in everything that we do. Drone first responder program. The technology associated with this will reduce our response to calls to under three minutes in every segment of our community. And, that, and that's very, very fast. Uh, that drone will get to that particular location regardless of the call uh, or the location in our city, and it will allow us to get eyes on whatever that is within three minutes. That is kind of the average. Um, now there will be some exceptions probably, but for the most part, when available, and we can use that resource, uh, this is something that will absolutely save money and time and resources in our community. Because if we don't have to go to that call, and this is a kind of a call where there wouldn't be any cameras where our real-time information center could, could see it, this will be the first there. In addition to that, when you have a crime uh, where there's potential for people who are armed or unarmed based on the call that we get, the drone actually is up and can see those people and they can we can relay that information back to the officers that are uh, coming on the scene and let them know what is actually there. It's a great resource, a great tool, and one of the higher levels of public safety for us. Um, I can get into that over here. It's really exciting technology and it really will help law enforcement and public safety in our community. Our enhanced traffic bureau, no secret, right? We have traffic in the city of El Grove. Um, what this is for us is it is gonna bolster our traffic unit. We have a, a large number or a high number of traffic fatalities, uh, pedestrian fatalities when it comes to vehicles and traffic. Uh, this is so important for us because we have not had a lot of motor units, a lot of traffic enforcement, just simply because we haven't had the staff to do that. This last year, we have started to backfill the positions that we did not, that were vacant. But in addition, with Measure E, we're gonna be able to add additional officers, motor officers in our streets. Uh, we'll do traffic enforcement, we'll do commercial enforcement, uh, you know, which really addresses the box trucks, the big box stores and the vehicles and the trucks that are parking. And, and uh, some of those businesses have trucks that park and they sleep in those trucks. Um, we get a lot, of, a lot of calls about that in our community and our neighborhoods. This is gonna allow us to enhance those services really respond to that from the traffic perspective. So our folks that are regular dispatch officers don't have to go to those calls. They can continue to work their mission every single day in our community. Um, and real quick, the, on that slide itself, some of the majority of the calls that we get are about parking. People parking in our communities, abandoned cars. We have a lot of those calls every single year. We're gonna have, hire somebody specific to just address the abandoned cars in our community. They will go, they will, they will mark those cars, and then eventually they will be towed. Uh, this is a, something that is unique to us. Uh, it's something that other places try to do. We're gonna do it. Uh, we're gonna be in a position where hopefully you'll see less cars abandoned uh, and in our community. It's extremely important to us and something that we needed for quite some time. So enhanced investigative uh, staffing technology. You know, it's kind of part of what we were talking about earlier with some of the technology. Um, you know, developing creative enforcement programs, mobile crisis response, that's part of it. Mobile crisis response is a unit that um, has a, a legal or a state clinician that rides with a police officer. So when you have a community member who's in distress and it has, and it has to do with um, some sort of mental anguish, 
Uh, those people go and they can address that need from that perspective, not the law enforcement perspective. What we're doing is providing a service to our community that really takes out of the hands of the police officer because we're not clinicians. What we do is we ride with the clinician and we learn from them while we protect them when we get to a call and they can address the, the person who is in crisis. Uh, it is an excellent program for our department. The problem that we currently have or that we had is that we have, we're relying upon Sacramento County. Sacramento County doesn't always have the staffing. And if we lose a clinician to them, we may not get another one for a year or so. The unique thing about this is they carry about 33% of our calls for service. So if you can imagine, that means we're having that many more officers handling these type of calls where they're really a clinician call and not a police officer call. So now what we have is this opportunity through Measure E to have a city-owned clinician. So they're licensed through the state, they're licensed all the same ways they would be through the county of Sacramento, but they would be in the city of Elk Grove. We will never lose that position. Are you talking about a social worker? Or a yes, essential, not a social worker, they're clinicians, but they work through the social services program in Sacramento County. Are they a social worker? I don't know if they're, I don't know if they specifically call them a social worker, because uh, they're licensed uh, for the clinician work. Uh, so I, I don't know, but I can find out. I can find out that specific title is through social work or the clinician. They are clinician and licensed clinicians. Again, I just don't know if it's social work. Well, CPS has social workers. CPS does. And, and we, 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 we have social workers. Sorry? We have social workers. Yes, and we actually have a weed advocate and a CPS advocate that work in our department as well. And that's part of the enhanced services that we're going to try to get additional or additional workers into that, that realm as well. Yeah, but that's business as usual. I mean, CPS and weed have been around for decades. The difference is, is that this will allow us to have them. We didn't have them working with the officers. We weren't able to get a clinician because Sacramento County can't give us the clinician, the clinician, and now we're going to be able to do that. We will have it in-house, so it's a resource that we will always have and not lose in our city. That's a difference for us. They do, everybody has it, you're right. Sacramento County has not been able to provide them to us, and now we can do it ourselves. Well, if CPS has uh, a call into the police department there to, to be able to get uh, an officer uh, present if they suspect they don't need one. Well, the difference is, is that this is not CPS or uh, WEAVE. This is actually a clinician. So they're a licensed clinician, totally separate. We have the WEAVE and CPS workers in our police department as well, and we use them just like you said. This is totally different. That that person, this person rides with a police officer, and the problem that we had is, again, we had to rely on Sacramento County to provide that person to us, and now we don't. We have it in-house. Yeah, this is different. This is it is, but they're totally separate. Clinicians are different than than the CPS or the Adult Protective Services or we totally different. You're not in that business, though. You know what I mean? You're not you're not in the business of social services. None of your officers are trained in social services. That's why. That's why we have a clinician with us now because we're not trained. You're absolutely right. We're not trained to be clinicians or social workers. So when we get a call where that person is, we need that special skill, we call them and they come with us, or they call us and we go with them. This way, in patrol. It's a cooperative thing, yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I don't understand how this is any different than, than the way things have been done before. The difference is for us, is the clinician itself, we've never had that position where we had. What's their caseload? Well, for them, they go to they go to every single call with us, and 33% of our calls are part of the clinician calls. CPS and uh, uh, Weave are something they work with our investigators when we go to a call that has a domestic violence case or a child protective services case when we need them. And I don't know what that number is off the top of my head, but I can absolutely, when we get a chance to do a breakout, we can we can we can talk about it. Yeah, but I, I think maybe what you don't understand is that you're you're treading on an area that you have no expertise in. You know, you're, you're not a social worker. You, you you don't have social workers working for you. You want to hire one. I get that. But at the same time, it seems to me that if, if thirty percent of all the calls require some kind of mental health uh, aid, there's a thing called the MHSA, the Mental Health Services Agency, and, and they get money from uh, the state for mental health services. So why is it that you're not going to them? Because 
you also pay state taxes too, and we're entitled to a portion of that. And if 30% of your cases are coming through like that, I think you should be coordinating with MHSA. We work with our state and our local agencies for, for uh, social who, services. Who are you working with over there? Well, I have a name off the top of my head, but well, we work you with you. should have a name off the top of your head, because you're the chief police. That person who runs MHSA should be in your role. Well, and we will, and our investigators do not, that. We will. You already, you're, you're, in April 1st, you're going to start charging us money for, for this. And, 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 and you've already decided what you're going to do with the property. You've already decided. You know, you don't want our opinions. Well, for us at the and, and, and you, you haven't, you haven't talked to any social workers, and you haven't talked to anybody else. And we talk to our social workers through CPS, and we doing a slick every show. single every single day. Well, I know you do. You have to. And we also, for us, the opportunity to have a clinician is extremely important. Okay, if I may, for a sec, I do have the next few slides, and if I could just cover one very important thing that we probably should have done in the beginning. Um, we do have some ideas of what we would like to do with this money. As a police chief and fire chief, we presented that information, our parks director has as well. We have opened this up today for you to break out these groups, and if there's an item that we're talking about today you absolutely do not like, today is the day we will color code the items and say, this is a green, yes, we're, we're, we love this, we want to move forward with it, this one is absolutely, I hate this idea, do not do this one, we'll mark that one in red, and then we can reassess that as leaders and together with you as a community. I think it would be wrong for us to not have this today and to just say, this is what we're gonna do, period. That's not okay. That's why we're opening this today and we understand that there might be some feelings in this group right now of this is awesome, let's do this. And there's also a, we don't need anything and this is ridiculous. We have both and we understand that, but we are opening it up today to please to listen to you as our community members to help with our opinion of what we believe as your professional leaders of what's needed in this community. Today is that day, so if you would please allow us to go through the slides when we get to the breakout sessions, which is gonna be reiterated of what we're covering tonight, and then maybe a little bit more specifics in those breakout sessions. And as with any idea or any thought, it's never perfect. We try to make it as best as we can and do the greatest good for the greatest number. We're not gonna make everyone happy, we understand that, but we're trying to do our very best. So if you would please work with us tonight and let us present this information in the breakout sessions, mark it in red if it's not so, like we don't want that. Okay, so as your fire chief, I'm asking for that so we can continue on with this presentation. You know, when we approach, as citizens, approach the city council and, and uh, the community services, we're responsible for You're already 37 minutes into this meeting. And you should have had this down and just said, hey, this is, here's, here's what we're going to do with it. Do you oppose it? This entire page could be done by the school district. In fact, you want to do, you want us to fund after school programs when you don't even, uh, you don't do school stuff. You don't do school stuff. You're, you're, you're not educators. So, you know, I don't understand why it is, excuse me, I'm trying to speak, but I, I don't understand what it is that, that uh, I, you're trying to in, invade social services, education, you know? Are you the police department? Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and, and I, I, this makes no sense. I think what our role, our goal is to, to, to is to improve all of our soon. services in our community. It's going to go to the and we'll have a chance to actually get talk about even it. an inch closer to that idea. Right. The, 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 we're, we're on a, 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 a derailed train here. Twenty-three million dollars, and, and the city council has no idea what it's going to do with it. Okay, so with that, let's please move through the remainder of these slides, and we'll go into our breakout sessions. So, so um, the enhanced program to combat youth crime and gang prevention and reducing crime, things like the Police Activities League, things where we can get uh, into after-school programs for the kids in our community. Uh, we're ultimately allowed through sporting programs, uh, mentor programs, boys and girls uh, circle groups, and those are all things that help develop leadership skills, uh, mentorship skills, and a way for them to uh, enhance themselves and learn uh, through skills through our community and our uh, connection through law enforcement and CSD fire and parks. Um, to continue to build programs that enhance your positive relationship with law enforcement and youth. That's our youth services officers. 
That's something that we haven't done in our in the police department. So we're this with this measure, we'll be able to uh, utilize uh, funds to create a youth services position. That person is going to be specific in developing a program. That yeah, uh, specifically to, uh, to youth services and youth services programs. They will be the person who is working with uh, PAL and creating those circle groups uh, to ultimately provide a service to our kids and our community. Um, we want to expand our Explorer program. We have a robust Explorer program, one that uh, our kids this last year uh, won awards uh, for the services they provide in our community and just part of the Explorer program itself. Again, a lot of these programs are about mentorship, developing, teaching our, our youth to be young adults uh, and giving them that extra step and opportunity in our community. And our Chief's Advisory Board, our CAB, uh, is a group that uh, works directly with the Chief of Police uh, and we share things within our community. They also um, will be able to we'll try to get a youth subcommittee where we can have young people have one-on-ones or conversations with police and myself uh, and get ideas for what they would like to see in our communities from the youth perspective. And that's extremely important because ultimately, right, our future is our kids. Uh, and all of our ideas, while we think they're good, sometimes our kids come up with ideas that are brilliant. Uh, and they help us move forward in our community and our profession. Um, and then probably one of the more important things that we'll, we have an opportunity to come about, uh, specific to the city of Elk Grove, and this is why this is important. The community prosecutor, right now, if we have a misdemeanor crime, say a vandalism out here at the preserve, that we, we may find that person. If we do, sometimes those cases don't even get filed because they don't have the resources down at district attorney's office to file those charges for some of the lesser crimes. So they get you know, dropped in the interest of justice. Well, if we have a community prosecutor, the majority of the cases that are in the city of Elk Grove, large or small, will have an opportunity to get presented in front of a judge. And those cases will most likely get prosecuted because we have someone in our community that is specific to our community pushing the cases that happen in our community forward to the district attorney. That's important. It's important for us in law enforcement. It's important for our community. Because oftentimes, when something small happens that truly affects quality of life is a misdemeanor, right? And they don't always get prosecuted. Yet those ones seem to be the most emotional to most of us. The smaller things that we feel violated with are specifically addressed with our community prosecutor. It's a wonderful opportunity for our city and a really great opportunity for our community if we're able to do that. And this is what Measure E will help us do. Okay, showtime. Um, thank you, and thank you for that exchange, that moment we just had. One of the most beautiful things of things like tonight in, in this country is the fact that we can express ourselves, democracy. And we have to hear from everyone, whether you like it or whether you don't like it, that's part of our job. So I love that moment, as uncomfortable as it may have been. Thank you very much for being here tonight. Um, I have two slides, and then our parks director has one on how we'll tie all this together. And as I mentioned, we'll break out into these three different groups. Um, here we have a couple larger areas, and then in the back corner right there, my favorite one is the fire department one. Uh, please provide your input. Uh, once again, the information we're covering is also written on these uh, walls here on the information and we'll color code them on things you love, things you don't love. Oh, it's okay. We can adjust. And there might be some things we haven't even thought about that what else is written on there. Please provide that information. So in, in a quick summary on one page, why do we need to do something with this um, measuring tax dollar money. 75% of what we do are medical emergencies. And being able to respond quickly is very important to us. If someone calls 911, they want us there as fast as possible, and we understand that. Uh, what we do know is that we're currently not meeting that number, that the, the national standards set by NFPA, National Fire Protection Association, uh, sets it at five minutes to get out of the fire station and drive to that location. That's the national standard. We take about seven and a half minutes currently. That's with us getting out of the station quickly and driving through the traffic that was mentioned and the tighter roads that we see and the distance from the fire station to the house or place of business. We know that. We've realized that we're behind. It's been growing. Uh, during my time as fire chief, it has grown. Our call volume, as he mentioned, call volume for them. We have call volume, how many calls we get uh, asked to respond to in a given year. 
Um, it has grown by 20% in my short time as fire chief. That's just over two years. Uh, we are at uh, 24,000 calls a year right now. We were at 20,000 just right around the time that we had pandemic <coughs> starting. And it was down in the 14,000 range just a few years ago. So it's been quickly growing. The community is growing. The community is aging and people need help. They call 911. Most of our calls are for medicals. We do respond to fires. We go to the wildland fires throughout the state of California. We do all of it. We're all hazard, all risk. But this is a big one. As your fire chief, I realize this is a problem. We should not be responding two and a half minutes behind the national standard and growing. And I wanna make sure that we have enough personnel to bring that number down or at least keep it there, hopefully improve it. Uh, there's also a standard on how many people we should have in our fire department for our population and our risk of what we respond to. For the city of Elk Grove, within our response jurisdiction, which covers a little bit of the county area and Gulf, but the majority of our responses are here in Elk Grove, uh, we should have 18 more firefighters on top of what we currently have. That's to meet the standard of what the Western United States meets, what everyone else has. We're about 18 people short. Um, and with that, measure funding, as our general manager, when he came to me and said, what do you need, Chief? Well, I met with our staff, our firefighters, our captains, provided input through our command staff, our battalion chiefs and such, and said, we need more people. Our personnel are at the wall, on the hospital, at the hospital for hours, up to 12 and a half hours last January. Of course, we had Omicron and other COVID issues, but right now, it's over an hour while they're waiting at the wall. We need to add additional resources. They need a little bit of relief as well. The community needs this, and I know that. So with that, my recommendation to our general manager was we need to add 18 more personnel and support for that in order to reduce the response times of, of what we do and make sure we have the right equipment, the right apparatus, the stations, mechanics, all of that. We need it all to make sure that we continue to provide the quality of life that everyone expects here. So, here's what I recommend, and that's written on the wall. If you like it, give me a thumbs up, we'll put a little green dot, Chief Quibble will be right back there. If you don't like it, give me a thumbs down, and we'll reassess. I recommend that we add some ambulances, fire engines, if we need, if we could, you know, one more fire truck, that's the big one that the person drives the back, soon, has a big ladder, and squads. Squads are the smaller ones that we put a couple people on and they can just respond to the calls. Currently using it here in Sacramento County. I've had squads throughout my entire career when I was in Stockton, uh, but they're very effective together. We're a combination of that up there. So put the personnel in these apparatus um, first and foremost. So improve improve our resources, the quantity of personnel that are responding to the 911 calls. And the second thing is to add the required personnel to manage and support that. Now the first one will be the prime the primary. That's our priority. The remainder of it is things that we have that we should do as the resources permit, but make sure we have enough mechanics, uh, logistical support to buy the equipment, take care of the equipment, administrative support, uh, human resources, payroll, discipline, all the other stuff that goes with it, and command support. And that would be a battalion chief or somebody that manages the day to day. Uh, that's the second thing. And the third thing, if there's money available, we would move to a third priority, and that would be to improve our infrastructure. So those are resources for that. That's the fire station improvements, making sure they're all ADA compliant. In 1986, the Essential Services Act required fire stations, police stations, to be built to the earthquake standards, did concrete, heavy duty. We have a station that was built in the 70s. Guess what, it doesn't have that. So we know that, and that's one that we would like to work on. Our vehicles and apparatus, the vehicles are small little SUVs, the apparatus for the big fire engines, fire trucks. We start replacing those as we can. Equipment, as equipment gets old, outdated, unsafe, we should replace that. And then traffic management technology, that's more of a partnership with the city of Elk Grove. We realize that we can now control lights through GPS so that when the 911 call comes through, it turns your lights green on the way. The people on the cross streets may not like that, but it'll be green lights the whole way. And as long as you stick to your route, you should have green lights the whole way. So that technology is currently there. I think that's something we should look at and invest in it. That one might even move up higher. So if you like it, tell us, and we might move it up to a higher location. 
And with that, I'm going to introduce our Parks Administrator, Mr. Phil Lewis. Let's give it up for Phil. He's a very shy guy, but you know what? Together we are a team, and you, know, you may have noticed the police chief and I were up here first, um, because it's important for you as a community to see that we are together, and we do things together. And believe it or not, when I was a young man in college, taking classes at Casunas River College, working at the Home Depot, there was a guy in the garden department, and I was in Florida, who wanted to be a police officer, and I wanted to be a firefighter, and that was Bobby Davis. And we've known each other for 30 years. There we are. Bill Lewis, how are you going to protect wow. us and partner with police to take care of the youth so they have something positive to do after school? Well, I, I have not known Bobby that long, but I'll, I'll try to make sure we're partnering really well with our uh, our public safety partners. Um, just just a couple items. Uh, obviously, public safety is very heavy in police and, and fire, uh, but we do have some public safety components as it relates to our parks and recreation system that we want to highlight. Uh, we are uh, looking at potentially adding a recreation coordinator for at-risk youth. So this position would be to help be a liaison position between our uh, school district, uh, between PD, a lot of our nonprofit partners that we work with in the community to make sure that we have uh, recreational opportunities for our youth, that we hopefully have children that may fall behind uh, in uh, opportunities or may fall uh, between the cracks and that they do have those opportunities that other youth in our community may have access to. Uh, additionally, uh, looking at free teen programming, uh, teens are one of the most difficult uh, areas to make sure that you're reaching out to and connecting with and getting into programming. Uh, cost can be a factor for teens and uh, having that opportunity for them to participate in programming that we have already existing, as well as uh, creating new programming and opportunities for youth in our community. One of the other things we're looking at is uh, mobile recreation in underserved areas, uh, creating pop-up events. Uh, a lot of our uh, recreational opportunities currently are focused in hubs at our recreation centers or out of our school district facilities, which are spread out throughout the system, but we do have uh, some areas of town where transportation may be an issue, or they don't have the same types of uh, recreational opportunities within walking distance of their homes. And so making sure that we are creating uh, activity zones where, where youth can participate in, uh, in activities that are uh, with a positive purpose. They don't have idle time. They have time connecting with mentors. They have time connecting with leaders in their community. Uh, partnering with our, our partners in police and fire uh, to make sure that we're really reaching out and connecting with youth and finding opportunities for all of our youth. Additionally, looking at recreational scholarships, we, we offer thousands of programs for youth in our community every year. We have a very high pay-to-play system in Elk Grove, and uh, by and large, we have a lot of families that can't afford to participate in our recreational opportunities, but we also have families that you know, when you're struggling to, to pay the mortgage, you're struggling to, to pay higher prices, um, sometimes things get cut and often it's those recreational opportunities. So making sure that we have those available for underserved uh, families, making sure that youth have uh, recreational opportunities to, to participate in, have those connections to build with fellow youth in their community, have that connection to those mentors in the community as well. And uh, the last thing that we are looking at is additional resources in our park ranger program. We manage uh, 102 parks in Elk Grove. We have over a thousand acres of green space that we manage uh, every day and every year. And with that, we have three uh, park rangers in our system. So two park rangers and one park ranger supervisor that work alternate schedules to make sure that we have coverage across the city and if you've ever tried to make your way from uh, I-5 over to 99 in the middle of the day, if there's an issue at one of our parks, uh, it makes it very difficult to, to get across the system when we only have one, sometimes two um, park rangers on at any given time. So this will provide us an opportunity to provide um, uh, lower response uh, needs to issues that are occurring in our park system 
as Edie mentioned earlier, uh, they're stretched thin sometimes. They have uh, pulled in many different directions. And the Park Ranger program really has uh, an opportunity to um, create relationships with individuals, feed the eyes and ears in our park system, and make sure that all of our public spaces remain safe and clean and uh, accessible for, for everyone. So those are some of the things that we're uh, planning to, to talk about. We'll be uh, able to break that down a little bit further. Have Mike Dobson, who is our recreation director, and uh, he'll be with me over in the parks and recreation section. Thank you, Chiefs, for allowing me the time. Yeah, so in closing, um, uh, Crystal is going to come up and do her thing as well. I think one of the things that we've seen and, and hopefully you feel is a collaboration and the efforts for all of us uh, to not just improve the quality of life in the city of Elk Grove, but maintain what we have and get better. All of it, in uh, our goal, our objective through Measury is to provide a level of public safety that is unprecedented. Uh, and that's what our goal is. And you can see, I think, with, as long as we've known each other, we believe in it. We have both of us. He wanted to be fire, I want to be a policeman. And we ended up where we are. We ended up here for a reason. And that's because of the, all the people in the back of the room, our community, uh, and, and you told us what you want. Part of this process was the polling. Uh, and for us to address it, that's why we're here. Uh, and that's what our goal is. And we hope uh, that you don't always agree with everything, right? The descending approach is how we've gotten better. And I think it's important. Uh, Chief Rodriguez said that a little while ago. It's okay to not agree with everything that we uh, would like to see because it may not be everything that you want to see. Uh, but what we want is this environment so that you can provide us the feedback and the input uh, for the program that you would like to see in our community. So thank you for allowing us to come and speak, uh, and, and we are privileged to be here with you.